Welcome to the Lindsay Holder Podcast. Gain tips on how to run a successful small business, as well as how to keep yourself looking good while you do it. Here are your hosts, Lindsay Holder Reinhardt and Ashley Rinkin. All right, everybody, this is episode one of the Lindsay Holder podcast, and we are so excited. So in this episode, what we really want to talk to you about is basically Lindsay's beginning and how she started the business. And so we want to help you start your business. So basically, according to Lindsay did a poll out on Insta, and it said, do you want the podcast to be about beauty or business. Number one vote said beauty and 99% said business. So we don't care what Ashley wants. We care what the viewers want. All right. So we're going to talk about business. So let's just go ahead and start at the beginning. Lindsay, what made you want to start a spa? What made me want to start this podcast? I mean, I definitely want to get into how I started the spa, but also I just wanted to preference the reason why I wanted to start this podcast. Just so you know, viewers, we are going off script. So this is live. <laughs> Listen, I wanted a platform. I wanted somewhere that small business owners could go to, to where they could find answers to how to run their small businesses. So I want to have experts on here and just give value and hopefully it'll help with their struggles along the way. I knew that I had, you know, looked to or anybody to lean on when I first started out. There was, I'm not going to take offense to that statement, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Of course you're my daily life, but if I need to ask, you know, what should my ROI mean? Or B. <laughs> was it? Pink. It should be in pink. Yeah. So anyway, that's why I wanted to start this podcast. So it would just help other small business owners. And it really is. It takes a lot to run a small business. I think that people probably they get. Well, I know I do. You get so gung-ho at the beginning. You're like, woo, I'm going to start a small business. But there's you really just don't underestimate how much is truly, truly involved. I mean, you know, you see me work all the time. I think, oh, I do. And then I'm like this. I got a clock out. And then Lindsay will give like one of those looks to me like, could you just stay one more minute, please? Because <laughs> there's so much that needs to be done. There's so much. It's just overwhelming. It's not about learning about facials. It's reports and well, because I own a spa. People didn't know what I do. I own a spa. So that's why she says facials. You know, I've actually, before I've started the spa, I had several other small businesses. Oh, I know. Trashy couture people. That could have been a thing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> My friend Rosalind and I wanted to start designer trash bags. We put a lot of work. I still have that. I put a lot of work into that. I still have my designer t-shirt made. And, but at the end of the day, the numbers just didn't. I'm so glad that we did the, well, mostly Rosalind, but the foundation work of just that business, because if we went into that, we'd have been in debt. We'd have lost a lot of money. So it's just point step one of running a business is numbers. A lot of it is so much financials. You can have an awesome dream, but you've got to know, you have to know your numbers all the time in so many different areas. Well, and that's one thing that I was listening to on, I love Gary Vee, his podcast. And he said that if there's a weakness that you don't have, which mine particularly would be the numbers, as you know, and as one of our 
we have, one of the things we always have to do is close the drawer and I always mess up because I just really suck at that. But anyways, what he said is that if you do have a weakness like numbers, I'm just kidding. Be quiet. Anyways, that he said that if you do have a weakness, that's where you recognize it and you go out and you hire somebody. So what do you think about that? Because you do have an accountant, but you still, that's not enough, right? Yes. But let's just start at the beginning because you can't hire out when you start out. You don't have any money to start. So this podcast, this first episode especially, I think it'd be good if I kind of told my story on how I got started. And I started out with just me. But what I mean by that, I did not have any financial backings to start my business. There was nothing there. There was no loan. Nobody's going to give you a loan. You don't have any, you know, anything equity to get the loan from. There's nothing there. So I wanted to start from that standpoint. So my personal story, I just want to preface this. I hope that this gives you value, but this can relate to any small business and how it starts. It does not matter what. Right. Somebody that has a dream and they're like this. Okay. How did you make that dream happen from the beginning? Like when you were like this, I've got a job and that's where it ends. Like I don't have a savings account or anything. I've got a dream and I really, really, really want to do it. Yeah, exactly. So it doesn't matter what you're starting. You could be a makeup blogger that wants to get started. You could be a photographer. You could be anything. I just want to give you the details and info on my journey and hopefully helps with any small business that you are going towards. I originally did not start a spa. I originally started an airbrush tanning business. And for me, I discovered there was a need in the community that happened to fit with my lifestyle. Moved back from California after living there seven years. I had multiple high profile positions. And that in itself is just a whole nother episode that we can go into. So when Lindsay says we needed to fit into her lifestyle, basically, Lindsay and I were super vain and we wanted to be spray tanned. We were in our 20s. We were like this. Oh, my gosh. There's nowhere to go spray tan. <laughs> in fact, I just sprayed Lindsay three days ago. Yeah. Exactly. I'm nice and glowy and fresh. <laughs> you are. Anyway, so I started from scratch. I really loved getting airbrush spray tans in California. However, way back then, and we're talking, gosh, it's definitely years ago. <laughs> it was very expensive to get. I'm going to call it a sprinkle in time. It was very expensive to get hand sprayed. So I did have to do the automated booths a lot then, which as you know, they can be for me a little too dark, a little too, the DHA is sometimes a little too strong. So I did have a little bit of more of orange glow back then. But honestly, a hand airbrush spray back back then would cost like $65. So why didn't you just do the automated spraying boost in Greenville then? Okay. Well, I noticed that the hand spraying technique was more even. It was less streaky and overall it, a much more natural color than the booths. And when I came to visit Greenville, my hometown, my mom would take this to a manufacturer that was way out in the country. And they did, they also offered airbrush spray tans. So you could go there too for pretty inexpensive um, than the booze. So I really just liked that look of the airbrush. All right. So then if you like the look of the airbrush, we found a pretty inexpensive place to do it. Then I'm sure everybody's wondering, well, why don't you just go there for your spray tans? What was the problem with that? Well, we had to basically drive out to the middle of nowhere to get sprayed. I mean, it was a pretty long drive. I definitely got tired of that pretty quickly. 
And then eventually, you know, I met with the owners and I asked them about their tanning solution. They were a manufacturer, so you could get their solution for a wholesale rate. So I just decided to, you know, I purchased their solution. I was just doing it for fun on the side then. And I purchased a Wagner spray gun from Home Depot. So this is very basic stuff from Home Depot. And I ended up liking it. I started spraying on Ashley. You know, I started spraying on you. And then family and friends came into the picture. I developed my own spraying technique. They gave me the foundations for the airbrush tan, but I definitely developed over time. And I still perfect my skill, but my own technique that gave me the best results. I just noticed a consistency with this technique that I developed. And, you know, back then I was working during the day at a property management company just to pay for the supplies and solution. You know, definitely, definitely zero profit for sure for this. And I would spray people on the evenings and in the weekends. At this point, I thought, you know what? This is fun. I'll partner with my friend. I'll do it. Yeah, because you're probably thinking, hey, I could use a little more money. It'll be fun. You know, have a partner to share the load, that kind of thing, I'm guessing. Yeah, like splitting the cost, come up with the name, tons of business decisions, like fun, right? <laughs> yeah. So, well, I mean, that's what I would think. So if you're starting out, how is it working with a partner? And I want to hear all the details about that. And also, do you recommend it? I think there is this honeymoon phase at the beginning. You're like, oh, yeah, we have all these great ideas. Let's let's start. This is so fun. Let's market here. Let's market here. But what happens, this is definitely my personal story, my personal journey. I'm not bashing partnerships. Some people work. It's my personal personality. I do not. I think for me, there has to be someone kind of like a in charge, you know, like just does the main decisions. This is definitely my story. But for me, it just didn't work out. I needed to be the leader. And call the final shots. Otherwise, for me, it was a mess. Okay. So that we, you know, because we want this podcast for people to learn from it. Can you give us some specific examples, if you remember, why it didn't work? A few, actually. So schedules can be an issue. Work schedules, especially you're starting a business. Yeah, like you're both working full time. Schedules like, oh, I'm working more than they are. I'm pulling more hours. I spent like two to four hours working on this and where's their work coming? I don't see it. One person's definitely going to do more work regardless. Even if you have duties still, I just felt I was still doing a lot of the work. Responsibilities on who does what, ordering supplies, marketing, website stuff, stuff like that. Differences in styles can be a huge, huge challenge it can come down even to the details, your logo font, your logo colors, the tagline, the style of the website, what uniforms to wear, the decor of the room. You have to be very detailed when you build a brand and it can definitely, you know, you can get entangled with somebody with that pretty quickly. Oh, I can see because, I mean, just speaking as a woman's point of view, style and color and all and the aesthetics of everything is very personal. And emotional. Yes. So you can actually end up, you know, I never thought about that, but it is very emotional because when you take on a new business, your heart and your, you know, you just pour in your heart into it. It is emotional. And I know they say take the emotions out of business, but I felt you can't always do that. It's it's actually tied because you're, that's your love, that's your work, pride and everything like that. Yeah. So anyway, but you can find yourself arguing over those little tiny little things and you know, little things lead to big things. And unfortunately it can affect the relationship. 
And then what happens is you're not focused on building the business. You actually, you know, start to see that person on a different level and you push, you know, things aside. You try to keep it separate, but in the back of your mind, you're like, oh, I'm still thinking about that issue in the business. And yeah, because if your friends are like this, hey, you want to go see a movie tonight? Because you've got some work to do. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's exactly. Or if you go and you watch a movie, you're like, I can't believe you haven't got the client. You haven't done that marketing. Have you done this? That reports due tomorrow. So after the movie, are you going to go home and do it? (laughs) That's exactly. That's such a good example of the little details make such a difference. Oh, yeah. So that just sounds like a lot. So that brings up the problem of you're already in business together. So how did you handle this? Well, at that time, I went to that friend and I offered either, you know, buy her out of that business and, you know, she could have it and I would start something else. And so that's exactly what we did and bought her out of the business and the rest is history. So, okay. She didn't want to do it. Well, that's really great insight because a lot of people probably, including myself, wouldn't have thought of all of those things that you explained. So that was great insight. All right. So moving on. I will say this also, I'm the one that initially started it. So my passion was there and I brought somebody along to come into the business, but I'd already originally started it. So my passion was leading. So it was easy for her to get out of the business because it wasn't like this huge passion for her. She was doing it as a business, you know, something to do for a business, but the passion wasn't there. And passion is huge. I know they you know, that saying, like, do what you love. And I never understood that until I got in a business. It really makes a big difference. All right. So let's move on getting back to the tanning business. It's not a spa yet. It's still airbrush tanning. So I vaguely remember this because we were on vacation one time. Didn't you also start mobile airbrush tanning? How did that go? I did not like it. (laughs) Not a fan. <laughs> I thought it was, but it sounds like it's a good idea. Oh, well, I don't, all my ideas, all my ideas sound like a good idea. Don't they? <laughs> well, they sound really good in theory. And then you put them into play and you're like, well, you're good at sales or what I like to call manipulation. <laughs> Lizzie never finds that funny. And I do it all the time to her. <laughs> I even talked myself into sales. (laughs) Like, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to do amazing. Well, okay. A mobile business is very challenging. It's tough. There's all these different elements that you can't control. Okay. Well, it's time consuming. Let's think that you have traffic. The cost is not worth it. You've got to go to that location. You have to set things up. There's cancels. People cancel for you. Ooh, no, I think that would be a deal breaker for me because I would get so upset me driving in the place, setting up and then, I'm sorry, I just forgot I had a dentist appointment. Or they're like this, I'm sorry. Oh, not sorry. <laughs> like there's nobody calling to say they're sorry. <laughs> there's nobody. Yeah. Then you get there and the setup is not to something that you can handle or do. It's a mess. Then you have to break down. It's very um, labor intensive as well. And then of course there's safety issues. So that is something that is better to go with a partner, obviously. And there's just so much back and work, like all the back and work just to get the reservation, get the directions, find out the setup 
up like all that to factor in for just one whereas if you had a location it would just be back to back to back to back to back everything's already set up do you see what i'm saying so i did that for maybe a few months and then i calculated the cost of my roi um, return on investment i was like this is roi return on investment and it just wasn't worth it i mean i would probably have to you would have to charge a really high amount for it to be somewhat profitable. I'm just telling you like it is. There's a lot of people that start that. And I bet if they truly, truly calculated all the small details, all the costs, they will find out that, well, well, it could be worth it. But your cost, the numbers that I see sometimes, I'm like, you're not covering your cost enough. You're not calculating your time. Time is money. So before you've had the current location of your spa, you've gone into a lot of other locations. Can I say something real quick? I actually, when I say time is money, this is very important. I actually have a spreadsheet, okay? And I had a financialist and a bookkeeper come up with the spreadsheets. It's awesome. In when we calculated the cost of all the services, the time is listed in there. And when you adjust that time, your price has to be adjusted. That's very important. So if, if something is costing this amount of money, I always have to adjust the time for that. And that determines if my price goes up or down. So those little tiny factors and tweaks are a huge difference. You can't just go, oh, I think it's going to cost me this amount. Especially if you're a one-person shop thing at the beginning because your time is money because it's all... Yes. So when I go back to, and this could be whatever, let's say you're a mobile makeup artist. Are you calculating the time, all those factors, then your rate should go up. Do you know what I mean? So if... Like gas. The time. I'm talking about time. You're talking about supplies. Like, I'm sorry, not gas. I meant driving to and from the location. The talking with the client. Okay, the prep work, the breakdown of getting everything, the time to travel back. Oh, traffic. I would have put in the travel, but I wouldn't have done the break up, the set down, the time to talk to the client. That's okay. Now, are you also calculating in the time to get that client to send them their invoice to go over all that? That's what I'm talking about. Oh, my goodness. So you've just turned up. Oh, I'll just be there for 45 minutes to do your makeup to no, it's really it's a lot more than that. It's way more. It was way more detailed than that. Those that's what I'm saying. Those little tiny details. You have got to build in time. And then when you really look at your time, your costs are going to go up because now you're calculating your time per hour or I do every 20 minutes because some things take me an hour and 20, hour and 40, stuff like that. It's fascinating. And so when you play, when you have your spreadsheets and get somebody to do your your formulas for you, for an example, now that I have a spot, I can put in a service. And if you are starting out with me and it's taking you longer to do a service, then the cost needs to be this amount instead of this amount. And so the pay scale is going to change. Otherwise, your margins can change really fast. And then that's where you can start to slip down in the red line really fast. That's really cool. I didn't think about all this. No, I wouldn't have thought like that. A lot of people don't think like that. I didn't think like that until I really had to to look at my stuff. Anyway, that's just a little tip. No, that was really good. Okay, so moving on from mobile tanning, let's talk about all the locations then, because I think listeners would be interested in that. Oh, like how I started out, like my path to the location? I mean, you didn't open up a brick and mortar. I mean, where'd you start? Okay, it's called the Parents Garage. So I started there for a little bit and 
then I did the mobile, obviously. And then I went to a location called Curves for a little bit. That's like a workout center. And you helped me, I think, a little bit. I did. I remember I thought you had made it when you were at Curves. I was like, my sister is in Curves and her room is back that way. I mean... Well, yeah, nobody was there, but, you know, you can set up and there's, you know, maybe one client, then you have to break down and that's all your costs and stuff. I should have charged way more than there's only pay. So yeah, exactly. Well, it's true. So I set up my airbrush. I had a handmade temp, my dad, like a fabric around it. I could like wash it and take it apart. So it was tough. You know, I would get dressed. I would set up the tent, set up the gun, set up my solution, set up everything. And then either like no one would come or I would have a cancel or I'd have like one appointment. So needless to say, I did not quit my day job. I was there for about six to nine months if I could pinpoint it, I think. And that was definitely when I did a lot of hit the pavement marketing for example, I remember my mom and I, we had flyers on the doorsteps of a large apartment complex across the street, but that actually started to drive my traffic a little bit. Yeah. I remember when you would like get a client and y'all be so excited. I would get so excited for every client. I'm not even kidding. Like it was just like such a big deal. Like, wow, you know, you created a reaction that that client called you, made an appointment, showed up, paid you, came back or whatever. I mean, it was a big deal. It was literally just getting one client, then another client, then another client, then another client. And I remember mom was really always like positive thinking about it and go get it and stuff. And then dad, well, he actually had to talk to me. He was like, you know, it was very sweet talk. He goes, he was like, you know, I don't really think this business is going to make it the way you think it is. And you may should think about before you get into too much debt. I think he just saw how hard you had to work for each client. And so he just was, and it wasn't making any money. And so that's a point for people to think about, right? What would you suggest, like going back in time? Like how long do you give it? Yeah. Yeah. Till you just can't do it anymore. Till you're ready. That's good. I like that answer. Till you're ready. And that's going to look different for each person. Yes. Deep down inside, you finally say, I gave it my all and I'm done. And I did the numbers and I don't see this working out. And there's several careers in my life, like my shoe designing career that I wanted. Remember, I want to do all that. And I know that's going on to try, but I've had several small businesses that I started and I'm like this, you know. I need to move on to something else. But I made that decision. Nobody else made that decision for me. So remember that when you're doing your business. Yeah, because you don't want to have any regrets either way, though. So I decided after the six to nine months working in that house to change gears. Okay. And I found a hairstylist center that had over 30 hairstylists in that place. I, again, could not afford the rent. And the manager was interested in it because she like to be airbrush sprayed. <laughs> so she wanted that service there. So I had an in. So she said, can I have the broom closet? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? That is so brilliant. Yeah. And I said, so we moved the mop out, the broom closet. They found another place. Talk about humble. And maybe that's something also that you just have to be humble when you're starting out, like super humble. Yeah. You do. I would do. You do everything. You take out the trash. You, I still do that. You have to be humble business owner. 
And I would get her again to cut up the profits per clients because I still, I couldn't afford weekly rent. And that's when my business actually really started to grow because very shortly after, a few months later, I was able to go into my own small room. It was such an accomplishment. I was like, wow. Oh my gosh. I was so excited and I stayed, I did that for a while and I focused on growing my clientele. Turns out hairstylists are a great way. They are phenomenal at helping new business client, building your business because I found out they have the full attention of their client in their chair for like an hour. So they would have my airbrushed hand on them to talk about. And I was right, you know, and then they could go, oh, go and talk to her. She's right there. Here's a coupon. Here's a whatever. Okay. So that's good. But how did you get them to talk about you? I sprayed every single hairstylist for free for the first time. Every single one. I would come back to them, ask them how they're tanded. Well, how every, I would say, how can I help you and your clients? Cause I give your clients a discount. And then every time they saw me that they would have a specialty rate with me, they loved it. And I built my clientele. So it sounds like one of the keys to building is that you've got to relationships and sales and marketing. Well, yeah, of course, but relationships would be my number one answer to that. Okay. All right. So yeah, with trust and all that, that's true. You can have sales all day long, but you got to have some strong relationships. Yeah. Because everybody can spot that slick willy and you're like, well, when somebody likes you, they talk about you. Right. And they can tell, yeah, they talk about you, but yeah. And they could tell that you were like, yeah, you were a good worker and you were like, yeah, you cared. And this was your past and you were delivering a good product. And you know what? Also, I that product I believed in and I still do. And because it makes you feel so good about yourself. I know that it makes me feel better and more confident in myself. And I would hear all the things that the women had going on. And, you know, we have male clients too, but predominantly women and they would have their baby shower, their bachelorette, their weddings. They had a special, they had a date, a new date that night. There's so many events that were coming up and I had a part in that. Yeah. Making them feel good. Yeah. Okay. So after that, you went to aesthetic school. Why'd you do that? Oh, why did I go to aesthetic school? Yeah. Well, you know, I wanted just to provide my clients the best advice for their skin because I thought I wanted to add more services too. Originally, I thought I was going to be a laser technician. But soon after that, in fact, it was after we went your laser hair removal appointment. I was like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> It's a little scary, y'all. I looked like a swarm of hornets had stung me. It was crazy. You jumping all over the place and just, I was like this. I don't want to, I can't deal emotionally with all like this pain. Like I saw the pain you're going through. And I thought I can't do (laughs) this. is not for me personally. But also I loved skincare. And I, in my past with um, being a celebrity assistant, I was able to go to like the most amazing spas and be around like the top people in the skincare industry. So it was a true interest of mine. So I was really excited to go to school and to be able to eventually offer different services. My mom also, when she grew up, I mean, as she, me watching her grow, growing up, <laughs> I always saw my mom take care of her skin and she got facials. And she also did the Jane Fonda workout. What does that have to do with anything? It has nothing to do with it, but I'm just going down memory lane. And I received facials too every now and then. She would spoil me with that a little bit. What did she? I don't remember getting a facial. Yeah, every now and then. Okay, so how did you pursue 
aesthetics and then still keep your airbrush team business because you have to go back to school for that. And like, did you, were you able to go like a couple hours a day? How did you keep the business and go back to school? Because that sounds like a lot of work. It was, I would work in the evenings and also in the weekend. Eventually, I made it to the point where I was able to hire a part-time contractor. A.K.A. moi. Like you, exactly. (laughs) I think it was actually just you. (laughs) I'd probably pay you and like brownies or something. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Got to be my boss. That was special. Ashley, you need to wash the mats better than that. (laughs) All right. So how did you transition from going to school to becoming a working esthetician then. Okay, so while I was in aesthetic school, I was seeing an acupuncturist for migraines. Her name was Dr. Marina Pontan. And she was, little did I know at that time, she'd become one of my very, very close friends today. So I saw her every couple of weeks for acupuncture treatments for, again, my migraines. And we talked about me being in aesthetic school during our sessions. So after getting to know her for a little bit, she asked if I would be interested in starting an aesthetics department after I was licensed. And yeah, of course, I said yes. But honestly, I was scared to death. But well, when you're out of school, it's very intimidating to think of like practicing and not only that, but being the only esthetician, but like the main ones, you have no one to ask any questions to No, You know, you have to learn the craft. You know what it was like? It was like starting an entire new business again, like another new business. So when you say starting an entire new business, so explain more. The room had not even built yet. So we had, you know, she had to have it designed. So I had to tell her, how the room needed to be, the flow of the room. And I had just learned my stuff from schools. So I really had to right. study other spas, study other skincare lines, everything, because I had to come up with the product line, with the menu, with the cost, everything. No, I had no idea what I was doing. Like, absolutely no idea. I remember when the office manager asked me, like, what each treatment was going to cost. And boy, let me tell you, that was eye-opening. Ooh. But... So I had to figure out the cost for every item used in the treatment. So it's from the products to the towels, you know, like the warm, high towels, to the cotton rounds, toner, lip balm, essential oil drops, et cetera. It was a lot. But it was, you know, it was the best thing that I could have done because it forced me to have to look at the cost and profits. That was like my first like real, you know, I was working for like a real place, (laughs) a real business. The broom closet actually has a broom in it. (laughs) Yeah. So I was working for real business. So I was learning business set skills that would be the foundation in my current business that I was growing. I was going to say it's also starting a new business because I had absolutely back at square one, no clientele. So there I was again, working in the same Back where I was, same position, nobody knows who I am, no clientele. And now, and also, it's a different service. So people are coming in for a spray team. You're like, oh, I can get facials. Uh huh, since when? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm fresh out of school. I had to prove myself to everyone. It was tough. I bet. I bet that was tough. But I guess you would have to, what, study a bunch? Or did you already learn that in school? (laughs) No, but then I'm thinking, wait a minute. (laughs) Let me tell you, I wanted to become the best and the brightest in my field. I studied all the time. I made the dean's list in school. Um, I was extremely... But you studied after school, right? Like you continued to study. That's, yes. So in school, I was very focused, but... 
every second in between clients, I would study, I would learn ingredients, I'd watch videos, I would pay attention. And I would actually watch the doctor how she grew her business. And I learned a great deal. I'm naturally a good salesperson, I think. But I would also study not only my craft, but I would combine that and study the art of sales, the art of marketing. Like you have to have knowledge in all areas of business. Let's say you're even just in a solo esthetician in a business. You're also the salesperson for that business and the marketing person. Can you explain the art of sales? Like what exactly does that entail? For me, my integrity is like my most valuable trait and I never want to tarnish that. So sales should be like with honesty and with the intention of helping that client and what they want to achieve and how to reach their goals. I love that you said that because I can't stand it when I can totally tell somebody doesn't care. They just want the money. I can feel that. And I can feel when somebody truly does care about me or they truly believe in that product. All right. Anyway, so how did you market yourself? No, wait, you said, I know that they need to reach their sales goals. I know they need to reach their sales goals, but there's a difference between reaching your sales goals and choosing from the list of products and looking at my skin and choosing what would actually help me versus just picking off something off the shelf and saying, here you go, you need it. So that's, I guess what I'm saying is the difference is that providing what product will actually work and fit with my client versus just, you know, pick something, anything, just I want to get $10. Exactly. And you'll be able to fill that with any, I think with any salesperson, like, you know, they're truly listening to or going to, I mean, even going into a retail store. Oh, isn't this sweater so cute? No, it's not. You know, this is awful. Or if you're comparing to a retail store, what would look best for your body shape? Do you feel confident in that dress? Do you know what I mean? Does this color match your skin tone? It's something like that. Like there is at the end of the day, that transactional sale, right? But during that process of the sale, it's the connection and the relationship with that buyer. And like if you're going with the dress, what event or occasion are we? Absolutely. Because when I spend my money, I'm out there. I'm like, you know, okay, I have this amount of money to spend and I'm excited to shop, but what is going to make me feel good about the sale versus regretting it later? And this is also probably another podcast, but there is an art to it and there is a pressure behind it because at the end of the day, you also have to bring in a number of sales to keep your business going. So there's that business part too. So that's why it's not as easy as you think. So you're constantly struggling inside. I have to make my sales. I have that pressure, but I also have to have my integrity shine through. Which it sounds like you will have both if you choose something that you're passionate about. Yeah. And always just choose the right answer and you'll do fine. Because, well, I could see you're like this. I love my spray. Like even now working in your spa, I love the color. If anybody says, where do you want to get sprayed? I don't suggest my sister's spa because I'm like, it's my sister's spa. Please go there. She needs, you know, food on her table. I suggest it because I love the product. I think it looks great on people. I think, you know, all the estheticians that work there are amazing and talented and they deliver good facials. I get my facials there every month. I even purchase my money to buy the products that you sell in the store because I love the ingredients. But also, why do you feel that is because I've gained your trust? Also, yes, you've gained my trust, but also I am a big researcher, so I research stuff as well. But yes, you've gained my trust, which opened the door to it. And then when I look at the products, I'm like this, okay, anything on these shelves 
it's going to be safe and it's going to be good for me. Which one do I like the best? And I'll research extra stuff. You'll know that it's not going to be on there if I haven't used it myself and it's not going to get delivered results. Exactly. I love anything that you put in there. Well, thank you. This is not an ad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sponsored by. <laughs> okay, so you're at the, you know, Dr. Ponton's thing. You're starting, you know, you're trying to build your clientele. So you're starting from scratch. So how did you market yourself? Okay, I went to any event that the doctor would ask me to go to. I was there. I did my own social media. They didn't have Instagram back then. It was it was difficult. It was like, you know, hitting the pavement again. No, But I tell you this, nobody had to ask me to do stuff. I did it on my own. If you want to be a superstar wherever you work at, or if you want to really shine, when your boss or your leader, whatever you want to call it, is asking you to do stuff, you're already missing the boat. You're already missing the boat. Nobody asked me to do it. I reached out to local magazines and wrote feature articles. So that's really, I think, the difference between an owner and not. I never clocked out. And so if you're not doing those things now where you are, you know, naturally, then my advice is don't even think about even owning your own business. So if you're not doing those things naturally, why would you even want to be an owner? If the owner is coming to you and saying, let's can you give me this? Can we do that? Whatever. And they're always coming up with ideas and pushing. Then why do you want to be an owner? Well, also an owner, you were thinking of those ideas by yourself. I had to think of my own marketing. So if I was going to be the best esthetician, my books were going to be fully booked. Yeah, I would listen to advice from the business that I was with. But I also thought of my own. I reached out own ideas. I reached out to the magazines. I did my own social media and everything like that. And so you want to understand networking, building relations, you're becoming known as an expert in your field. All right. So after school, you worked with the doctor as the main esthetician and you still had your, which, you know, we've been talking about the esthetician, but you still had your airbrush tanning business going. Yes. I worked in my aesthetics job during the day and then I hired my first contractor to work my shifts at Organic Tan, which is now called Organic Tan Face and Body, while I was working. So you were rolling in it. Dollar bills were dropping. <laughs> okay, no, I wish. Like, not at all. Nope, still not making a dime. Oh my goodness, really? Working as an esthetician and having your own airbrush. I would think, seriously, like, you know, we're, I'd like a Louis Vuitton for Christmas. Well, yeah, I would like that too. I'm saying I want one, not for you. <laughs> like, here, sis. <laughs> I had just enough to cover my bills and any money would go straight back into the business. It is so much more expensive than what people think. So you would put it back in the business for what? At that time, I opened up a second location for about a year. When I say second location, it's just a room inside of another salon. So anytime you want to expand or grow, you got to put money back into the business. Okay. It was a small room and a hair salon. I did that. So really you would have had it. And this is where I think that we have to think about, it depends on how big people want to grow their business. If you had just wanted to stay in that one room store and be an esthetician at the doctor's office, you would have been fine. But you wanted to own your own complete thing. Yeah, I think so. But there is a, what is it, stagnant point or stopping point then? So which brings me to my point. You have a cap on what you're going to make. All right. So you had your cap. So then what made you transition to the place that you own now, to the location you own now? Were you not satisfied with that cap? Were you like this? Okay. 
here's my life right now. I own an airbrush tanning business in one room in a salon. And then I'm also working esthetician in another building. Because I wanted to offer services and I wanted to eventually be my own owner. Got it. Okay. Like full time. You were an owner, but that wasn't cutting it. So you wanted to be a full time owner. So you were working for nobody but yourself. Got it. Okay. Right. And I wanted to offer those services to my existing clientele. So that's where you're. Yeah. My goal was to incorporate the spa services with the airbrush tanning, have a full service spa. My goal was to have a full service spa. All right. So that, so talk about the transition to your place now. So I was looking for a second location. I had no idea where I was going to find that. And so I asked one of the girls, the contractors that worked for me, I said, hey, be on the lookout if you find out, you know, a place that's available. And one of my clients informed us that her dad owned some property down the street and they had a vacancy. I went and looked at it. It was huge. So I almost passed out looking at it. He then informed me that a tattoo place a few doors down was thinking about switching locations and it was smaller. So it's about 1500 square feet. So I took a look at that. Did you almost pass out then too? (laughs) (laughs) I definitely had to put my vision goggles on. It was overwhelming to look at because it was a tattoo parlor with like fluorescent walls, tattoos everywhere. And think of like remodeling it to an upscale modern boutique spa was definitely overwhelming for me. But I did it. Oh, yeah, because I would think, could you afford it? Well, I did the math and I only took the lease knowing that if I worked my tail off and I had absolutely no staff at all, let's just pretend I had no staff at all, because that's how I just think. I don't know if that's negative Nelly, but I was just thinking, okay, can I do this on my own? Right. You don't want to have to depend on anybody. I did not want to depend on anybody. And then I could afford the lease if it was just me. Yeah, because I understand that because I remember you being really nervous about moving. Of course. Yes, I was so anxious about moving. And I only did so because it was a less than a mile from where I was at. All right. So and it all worked out. Yeah. And here we are going into almost 10 years in business and about six at the location that I'm at now. That is so crazy. And like going just thinking about it like this right now, there wasn't anything like that before you came to Greenville. No, back then there was not a business like mine at the time. I was one of the first ones. So now there's, you know, a bunch to choose from. So to have an idea and grow it and build it to the level it is now for our city, it feels pretty good. I bet it does. All right. And there you have it. That is how the spa happened. So it was not an overnight success. And you also wanted to throw in the towel many times. Still do. (laughs) Still do every day. Write me a check big enough. It's yours. That's what I say. But you've got to have a lot of drive and you've got to have your spirits up. And you have to have a tenacious drive. You told me one time you said you have a tenacious drive. You've got tenacity. And I think that's true. Yeah. And if you know her, you know that is true. Anyways, and another thing that people would know is that you will work it out until it's taken care of. So any last thoughts? Yes. My last thoughts are, so whatever business that you're wanting to build, ask yourself, what need are you addressing and how are you unique? So what makes your brand stand out? And is this your absolute passion? 
I never understood when people said that. You know, sometimes like, is this your absolute passion? Yeah, I never understood that either. But now I know that when they are asking you, is it your passion? What they're really asking you is this. Are you willing to not make a profit for years? Are you willing to sacrifice your personal and family life to build this business? Are you willing to work two jobs with no guarantee that your hard work will even pay off? Are you willing to solve every problem thrown at you and still keep going when you are exhausted? Are you willing to not go on vacations, work on holidays, after traditional hours, on the weekends, and be on call all the time? Are you willing to put everything else on hold and just work on that? Now, this list, I'm not saying there's a lot of like online businesses and stuff that this may not apply to. I personally have a brick and mortar. So I don't know if this would just apply to brick and mortar because I mean, I can't just go, oh, I'm on holiday. And then there's a leak at the spa or whatever, and I can't address it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I have to address things whether I am on vacation or not. It does not matter. So I just wanted to preface that. But those are some questions just to make sure that you have the passion. But I will say this, there are some even some online businesses that friends of mine have started and, you know, they're like, wow, I didn't know that there's so much more. I'm finding out as my business grows, there's all this stuff that I bet even just shipping. Oh, somebody bought, you know, this necklace for me. How do you ship it? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. And then somebody wants to get a large wholesale account or something like there's all these extra stuff. So hopefully you'll learn through this podcast some ins and outs and we'll go into financials, but a lot of people come on here and then you also hear from other small business owners and hear their story too. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, just to everybody out there, thank you for listening. And our second podcast will be a continuation on how the business happened and really getting into very specifics. Like, you know, just little stuff, like not little stuff, but big stuff like business license and contractors and employees and things like that. So Okay, well, thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you on our next podcast. Mom, we'll see you next episode. (laughs) Okay, thanks, Mommy. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye. This episode is sponsored by Organic Tan Face and Body, a natural beauty and wellness spa located in Greenville, South Carolina, and owned by our very own Lindsay Holder. Come visit the spa today, where they strive to bring out your natural glow. Visit the spa online at organictanfaceandbody.com and follow them along on Instagram.